Rosemary's Baby began its disturbing life as a disturbing novel written in 1966 by Ira Levin. Levin came up with the story after having heard of a religious cult, the Church of Satan, founded by a disturbed man called Anton LaVey. This is a very selfish religion. We believe in greed, we believe in selfishness, we believe in all of the lustful thoughts that motivate man because this is man's natural uh, feeling. If you're going to be a sinner, be the best sinner on the block. If you're going to do something that's uh, naughty, do it and realize that you're doing something naughty and enjoy it. Born in Chicago in 1930, LeVay worked as a circus roustabout, then as an organist in a burlesque club, before becoming a psychic investigator in San Francisco. After that, he branched into paranormal activity, where he achieved a level of notoriety. He grew himself a black moustache and goatee and shaved his head. Why the shaved head? It was, he said, to keep, quote, in the tradition of ancient executioners. Just whom LeVay intended to execute is unclear, but he did declare in 1966 as Anno Satanus, or Year One, the Year of Satan. Most San Franciscans were bemused by LeVay's pronouncements, but he did attract some disparate followers, mostly bored socialites, but also some disaffected vagrants. One such vagrant was a young woman named Susan Atkins. During LeVay's black masses, Atkins would emerge from a coffin and parade topless around his high altar. But in the summer of 1967, Atkins left LeVay and went south to Los Angeles to live in a ranch with Charles Manson. Satan means whatever I'm looking at, whatever I want it to mean. It's on my forehead. It's, it's, me, on, it's me if I can get up on that highway. If it's, me, it's me trying to save my air, my water, my trees, my wildlife. It's me on that cameraman. It's me right there in his watch. It's me in his brain. It's me right there on his ears. And when he shaves in the morning, I'm sitting right up underneath his razor. You dig? It's everything that human beings are, don't understand. It's all their fears. It's what they're not sure of. You dig what I'm saying? Satan to me would be God. You would be God to me. Two years later, Atkins and other members of Manson's gang invaded a home in Beverly Hills and murdered Sharon Tate, the heavily pregnant wife of Roman Polanski, the director of Rosemary's Baby. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religious rite. Five persons, including actress Sharon Tate, were found dead at the home of Miss Tate and her husband, screen director Roman Polyansky. Miss Tate, who starred in Valley of the Dolls, was eight months pregnant and was found in a bikini-type nightgown with a rope around her neck attached to the body of a man. One officer summed up the murders when he said, In all my years, I have never seen anything like this before. Now, as if that were not enough, Polanski had cast the young Mia Farrow as Rosemary Woodhouse, the somewhat nervous new bride of an ambitious but struggling New York actor. The film was shot during the summer of 1967, and in February 68, Mia Farrow went out to India with her sister to study Transcendental Meditation under Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. The Farrow sisters were not the only Westerners suddenly interested in Eastern philosophy. Also there were the Beatles. Now, Mia Farrow's sister, Prudence, was so enthralled of the experience, she would stay in her room and meditate for the whole day. In an effort to coax the young girl out, John Lennon wrote this song.
I mention that because while the interiors of Rosemary's Baby were filmed on a soundstage in Los Angeles, the exteriors were done on location in New York, around the Dakota building on Central Park West. And that is where John Lennon lived, and that is where John Lennon died on December the 8th, 1980, shot four times by a disturbed fan, Mark David Chapman. One last thing. When the Beatles returned from India, they recorded the White Album, which contained several songs Charles Manson was convinced held secret messages informing him of the impending apocalypse. Rosemary's Baby is disturbing for several reasons, not least of which is its tone. You're never too sure whether it's supposed to be a horror or a very dark satire. While anxiety does mount throughout its 136-minute running time, there is scarcely any violence and almost every effort is made to play down the gothic elements. Odd as it may sound, what Roman Polanski was going for was a sort of realism. If anything, the film presents the growing terror in as normal a manner as possible. But what chisels away at that normality is the decision to tell the story exclusively from Rosemary's point of view. It's what we call a closed structure. Whatever we know, we know only because Rosemary knows it. And the film only shows us what it shows Rosemary. Everything beyond that is mere speculation. And it is because of that speculation we see Rosemary change from innocent to suspicious and finally to paranoid. But just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not coming to get you. This is no dream. This is really happening. Levin's novel was enormously popular and paved the way for the likes of The Exorcist and Carrie. But what makes Rosemary's Baby truly exceptional as a film is Polanski's treatment of the material. Horror movies usually feed off shadows and shocks, but this movie begins with credits in Baby Pink and a lullaby on the soundtrack. That sounds like a horror cliché now, but that's only because Polanski all but single-handedly overthrew the conventions of the genre. Rosemary's Baby is set predominantly in an apartment, and since the Dakota building, with its towers, turrets and ornate carvings, looks like a castle, another director would have been tempted to make the building foreboding, the apartment dark and cavernous, and treat the whole thing as a haunted house. Instead, Polanski neutralises the setting, so we get spacious rooms, big windows and bright lights, with primary colours, especially yellows, dominating the palette. In other words, the film looks like a soap opera. Oh, that's a nice... Look how you put the table on. Isn't that interesting? I saw it in a magazine. Oh, my nice painter. That's nice. Where is that? That's the TV room? Uh, Well, only temporarily. It's going to be a nursery. Oh, you're pregnant? No, not yet. I hope to be as soon as we're settled. Wonderful. Well, you're young and healthy. I have lots of children. Uh, we plan to have three. I didn't see what you did to this apartment. The woman I had it before was a dear friend of mine. I know. Terry told me. So how does it work as a horror? I think it's the pacing. Scene after scene is presented with a minimum of editing. Instead, the takes are long, and while you may not be conscious of it, you sense that nothing is being cut out, and everything is being shown, or perhaps that something is happening off-screen. The best example of this occurs late in the movie when Rosemary goes to use a public payphone. The scene goes on for over four minutes and is held entirely within the one shot, the camera sharing the same cramped yet transparent space of the call box. 
Over the course of the film, again and again, Polanski uses a lighting scheme and a lens that ensures the foreground, midground and background are all sharp. And so what you get is real time in deep focus, which means it was all there on display from the very beginning. Only Rosemary never saw it until it was too late. God is dead! Satan lives! The year is one! Hey!